Everybody had a great Christmas. Everybody got all the great gifts, whatever the great stuff they wanted. Amen. And things are going good for everybody. Amen. Just quick reminder, brethren, this Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, men's prayer. Amen. And uh, then Sunday service, we will be having Sunday service. We also be doing communion this Sunday as well. It'd be like a New Year's service to kick you off on the right foot, get you going the right direction. How's that? Amen. Praise God. It's good to have our guests tonight with us. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So we want to get right into the word of the Lord again tonight. So hopefully we can finish up Matthew 5, verse 13 through 14. Amen. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trotted under the foot of men. You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Amen. Now, last time we were together, we was talking a little bit about the salt and looking at the salt and that is an enhancer and we saw that it's pure. Amen. And, th- and salt changes things. Nothing changes salt. And so we have to realize that what God is calling us to be. You know, and he uses two things. He says, your salt and your light. These things changes our surroundings and our environment. So tonight, we want to move on. We want to look at this light thing and move forward here a little bit in that. You are the light of the world. Amen. It is God's desire to transmit his glory to the world through his children. We are lights in a dark world. Amen. And so we got to be able to show and reveal Christ in this darkness. This is why Paul, I mean, excuse me, Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 9, that you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him which is called you and me out of darkness unto his marvelous light. Amen. So with the spirit of Christ in us, amen, meaning God is now inside of us and God is light, therefore what people see in our lives, they should be able to see the attributes and the traits of God in us. Amen. The fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5.22 says, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. We, they should see compassion. They should see sympathy. All these traits of qualities that are in God should be revealed in us. When you are out and about, people should be able to see that there's something different about you. And that what they see in you should be Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Ephesians 5, verse 8 and 9. Real quick in your Bibles. Ephesians 5, verse 89, our purpose is to proclaim the praises of God as we just saw. For you were sometime darkness, okay? In other words, you were in the world. We was all in the world at one time. We walked in the course to Satan's ways, if I can put it that way. We were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. In other words, we must, our conduct, our actions must reflect Christ in this world. We can't get caught up into all the hoopla and all the foolishness 
that is going on because if we do, it'll snuff our candlestick out. It'll put the light out. We're called as a city sit on a hill. Amen. You cannot be hidden is what God wants you to see. So don't try to blend in. You know, he's called you to reveal light, to bring people into the light so that they could understand and see. Amen. You were, for the fruit of the Spirit is where? In all goodness and righteousness and truth. Amen. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. The fruit of the Spirit is there. If you're doing right, then the fruit of the Spirit is there. If you're doing good, the fruit of the Spirit is there. Jesus says in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So if you're a doer of God's word, then the fruit of the Spirit is going to be there. Amen. This is what we've got to realize is we are the light of the world. This world we are in. You are the only Christ they're going to see. So let your light shine that men will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. We are not lights in ourselves. We are lights in the Lord as Ephesians 5.8 just told us. Amen. And we see that Christ is the true and the original light. Amen. Jesus says in John 8.12, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And if you're following Christ, then there's no occasions for stumbling. See? This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, Follow me as I am a follower of Christ, as I follow Christ. Amen. So if you're walking in the light, you're following after Jesus, you're following according to the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and not Him without anything made was made. In Him was life, and the life was what? The light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Amen. So we're following after Christ. We're going forward after him so that we don't stumble and fall. If you're stumbling and falling constantly, you might want to consider who you're following. Amen. Because the enemy is going to set some snares. He's going to trap, set, excuse me, going to set some traps to try to trip you up. But if you're following Christ, the light will reveal them every time. And you will be able to put your feet down on the solid ground and not have to worry about stumbling and falling. Amen. So Christ is the true or the original light. Amen. And notice First John 1, 5 through 7. John says, this is the message that we have heard and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Amen. First John 5, 1, verse 5. John says, in him... Is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. See, in other words, the word is not there. But if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all our sins. See, notice here. But if we walk in the light, see, we got to walk according to the word of God. 
in him was life, and the life was the light. See? So if we become, as James says, a doer of God's word, we'll walk in that light. We'll be revealing, we'll be a luminant light for Christ in this dying and dark world. Your city, think about lacrosse on the hill. And so if you put you up on top of granddad's bluff, then you should be lighting up the whole city. Think about that. He's using this analogy to get us to see who we really are. See? Because if a city is up on top of a hill, it's going to give light. You can see it a long ways away. So it's kind of like when you're going overseas and you come to the international date line. The first time I saw that, it blew my mind. You know, we left Hawaii. It was dark as all get out. You know, and I luckily I had a window seat on the airplane, and I looked, and all of a sudden, all I see is light. You know, and then on the airplane screens, they have these little things you can touch, and it shows you where you are and follow the plane and all that stuff. You know. And all of a sudden, this line says the international date line. You know, as I saw the plane was getting close to it, and then I realized, oh, that's what is happening. You know, I'm coming close to the international date line, so it's going to be light. You know, I'm coming out of darkness in the light. And, you know, and that's what God does to us, is when he pulls us out, he's bringing us to the light. You know, it starts out a little dark when you first started coming, but then all of a sudden, boom, all this light is exposed, you know. And if you've ever been jet lagged and you wake up on the plane and the light, the sun, that sun is coming through the plane, it blinds you. You go like, whoa, what is going on, you know, depending on which side of the plane you're on. You know, <laughs> you want to get on the other side quickly, you know. But, but it is, I mean, it's just beautiful. And that's what happens when God pulls us out, you know. And so we are to be that light sit on a hill that cannot be hidden. Amen. Our twofold responsibilities as the light of the world. We must be visible. This is implied by Jesus in his use of a city and a lampstand as a metaphor. In the sanctuary, and he uses this lampstand uh, when you, he gave Moses the pattern to build the tabernacle in the wilderness, he told him how the lampstand was to be built, and this lampstand was to give light in the sanctuary. It was to be lit, you know, constantly. But in the holy place, or the holies of all, there were no lights, because this is where God descended upon the mercy seat, and God is light. So he didn't need any light there, because once he showed up, the whole place is going to be lit. Amen. But we have the responsibility to light the sanctuary, to keep it lit. Amen. And we are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. Amen. You are to shine. You know, it's kind of like when the Lord gave Moses the instructions in building the altar. He told him the fire was to never go out of the altar. You know, so you you got to, you know, to keep the fire burning, somebody's got to put some coals or wood on the fire, right? Amen. Especially in this time of the year. <laughs> you know, so you got to keep it burning. So somebody's got to stoke the coal. Somebody's got to put another log 
on the fire, you know, log of love, log of joy, log of peace. You know, you got you want to keep it hot. Amen. Continually in your sanctuary. Amen. Jesus expects his followers to be seen by the world. Amen. In John seventeen twenty one, Jesus prays in the garden and and he said, you know, that the Father's in me and I in you, but he wants us to be in him as well, that the world may see him through us. This is what he desires us to do. He expects us to to shine in this world. Amen. He expects us to radiate, to give light, amen, to all that is about us. Amen. So that the Father will be glorified and us. And first Peter two, eleven and twelve. First Peter two, eleven and twelve. Peter says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war after the soul, verse twelve, having your conversation honest amongst the Gentiles. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. In other words, everything you do as a Christian should be to glorify God. Amen. Everything that you do should be to glorify God. Amen. This is what God desires in all of us. Amen. How we conduct ourselves inside and outside of the church is the great of great importance and philippians 3 17 through 19 philippians chapter 3 verse 17 through 19 amen paul says brothers be followers together of me and mark them which walk as you have us for an example for many walk of whom i have told you often and now tell you weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of christ whose end is destructions, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who minds earthly things. Amen. Our conduct and our actions will reveal whether this light is in us or not. As Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou in an example of the believer and words and conversation or your behavior. You know, and godliness and, you know, temperance. He wants us to be good examples. We are the children of the light. We're not the children of the darkness anymore. We're children of the day. God is the God of the day. He's the, not the God of the night. Amen. So we've got to let our lights. You're on a hill. So if you ever think about that in your life, says, hey, man, I'm a city. I'm sitting on a hill. You know, people can see me. They are monitoring me. They're looking at me. You know, what do they see? What am I revealing? What am I showing? Amen. This is what we want to consider, our conduct, our actions, not only in the church, but outside of the church. Amen. You know, I can, I can know you're a Christian, but what does everybody else out there see? What does everybody else see when you walk in Walmart? What does everybody else see when you walk in Kmart, festival, shopco, wherever you go, restaurants? What do they see? You know, do they see the devil or do they see Jesus? Amen. You have to remember these things, our conduct, our actions. Amen. 
Proverbs 6.16 tells us there are six things the Lord hates. Seven is an abomination, right? Amen. So we have to realize that as well here. Amen. So real quick, for the rest of the half hour we got left here, I want to talk about three ways to model influence on your paper. There are three ways to model influence. So I guess I'm sorry I don't have an extra copy to give you. Passed them all out last week, and I didn't make any more tonight. But I want to look at three ways to. Wait a minute. Here's one. Here's one. Here's one right here, brother. To move, and I just found another one in the back of my book here. God is always good on time, right? So we want to look at three ways to to model <clears throat> influence. Amen. First of all, amen. Now you got to realize we're salt and we are light. Amen. So now we want to model this influence. We want people to see Christ in us. So the first thing we got to realize is we cannot lose our identity in the crowd. Let's look at Mark chapter 14, verse 66 through 72. Mark chapter 14. Amen. We know the story here in Mark 14, 16 through 72. This is where Jesus is brought before the Sanhedrin court, and Peter follows behind, and now Peter is outside there. Amen. And the Bible said, as Peter was beneath the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. Amen. And when she saw Peter woman himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also was with Jesus of Nazareth. She's calling him out. See? She's already recognized him. You can't hide yourself. Okay? Peter is trying to blend in. He's trying to be incognito. He's trying to sneak in. Amen. And she recognized him. You can't hide as a child of God. You can try to hide, but you know what happens when you try to hide? It worries you crazy. Because you're not doing what God wants you to be, and so you're worried about Who's going to see you that knows you? <laughs> you know, and so you wind up pulling your hair out because you're trying to blend in, but you're afraid somebody's going to recognize who you are. And so, but he denied. Peter says, I don't know him. No, I'm not. I'm not one of his. But just a few chapters before, I don't know how many days it would have been, Peter told him, Though everybody forsake you, I will not forsake you. I give my life for you. You know? And so he had a good brag going on, right? But now all of a sudden he finds himself saying, Hey, you're a Christian. You're one of Jesus' disciples. And he says, No, I'm not. I don't know him. Neither understand what thou says. I don't even know what you're talking about, he's saying here. You know? And he went out into the porch, and the rooster started to crow. Uh, 
And the maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, this is one of them. She's trying to put it on him. And he denied it again and said, little Ather, they that stood by said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for thou art Galilean, and your speech agreed there too. Now your language is giving you away, Peter. You know, remember the Lord says, after you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're going to speak in new tongues, right? <laughs> yeah, you're going to speak in tongues when you get the Holy Ghost, and your language is going to get cleaned up. I don't know about you. Mine was. <laughs> Thank God I don't use. What are you clapping for? <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you, most of us can agree. We got a new language. From some of the things we used to say and some of the words we used to use, the Holy Ghost brought this newness. In a man being Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Thank God that I got a new tongue. Amen. But he began to what? Curse and to swear. He started using some tough language. He was he was probably yelling and hollering at them and swearing and cursing at them, trying to deny Christ that he knew him. See? Because he probably figured if I started swearing and I started cursing, they're gonna know, no, because Jesus is a good guy, man, and Jesus has did great things, and we've never heard any guile come out of his mouth, and we never heard anything bad come out of his mouth so if this guy is one of one of jesus he ain't going to use that kind of language so he tried to change and that's what happens when people try to blend in with their surroundings you know is they start to drink they start to swear they start to use language and things that try to disnounce even being a christian and that's what the enemy desires. That's what the enemy wants. See? Us to deny him. We cannot deny him. So Peter began to deny him. And when the cock crew, amen, that, that third time, you know, Peter ran outside and he wept bitterly, you know, because he realized that just a few early he had said, I won't leave you. I won't deny you. But he found out that his words was was short-lived. Amen. Amen. So we, we've got to, to model, amen, this influence and stand firm on our convictions, amen, in our surroundings. We've been called out, remember? We're light now. So we can't lose our identity in the crowd. We still got to have modest living. We still got to set ourselves apart in this thing. Amen. We should display modesty in our dress and appearance, and we should look good for the Lord at all times. Amen. So look at Acts chapter 4, verse 13 to 15. Acts chapter 4, verse 13 to 15. The Bible says, Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took notice of them, that the knowledge of them that they had been, with Jesus. Notice their boldness. They was not afraid. Jesus says, Behold, I give you power 
to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any merit shall hurt you. Amen. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. One of the tactics of the enemies is he desires to inflict fear in you. He wants you to feel like you are all alone. You're by yourself. You can't handle the peer pressure. You know, and, I, and I've heard a lot of young men and young women say, Oh, Pastor, you just don't understand. Oh, yes, I do. Been there. Got a couple of T-shirts to prove it. You know, you, you, you have to take a stand. You've got to be willing to say, I'm not going to give in to my surroundings. You know, I, I'm going to stand firm on the word of God. I got exceeding precious promises from God that I will never leave you nor will I ever forsake you. So we have to stand firm on the word of God and on our convictions. Amen. So Peter and John was bold when they asked them by what power or what name have you done this? You know, they says, we're not careful for the answer. As we be examined by the impotent uh, deed done to this man, be it known unto you by the name of Jesus Christ that this man stand before you whole. You know, this is the stone which the builders rejected. You know, and then it goes on and says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. They recognize their boldness. They recognized their boldness came from Jesus Christ because Jesus had stood firm to before them. Amen. When they tried to back him down, he had stood firm. Amen. And so that's what we have to do too. We must be bold in our stand, not in a negative and an evil way, but we must stand firm on our convictions. Whether biblical convictions, personal convictions, or church convictions, we need to stand firm and be bold as Christians and saints of God. Amen. They recognized that they had the same teachings as Jesus Christ because they began to say, neither is there salvation in any other. You know, Jesus had said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man can come unto the Father but by me. Amen. So they had the same teachings. Amen. They was working miracles just like Jesus had did. They began to see this. You know, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with no tongues. They shall take up serpents if they drink any daily thing. It shall not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Jesus had commissioned them. And they seen there's a man that the Peters had told them, silver and gold have I none, but such have I thee. Give I thee such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And so Peter just told him it was because of Jesus that this man is standing before you whole. They were not afraid to invoke the name of Jesus Christ. So we can see that they took notice of that, that they had been with Jesus. Amen. Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, uh, verse 13 through 16, that we would know them by their fruit. Amen. He says you don't get grapes out of a fig tree and you don't get... You know, from thorns and thistles and all of that, you know. So the good fruit comes out of the good tree. And he says in John 15, I am the true vine and you are the branches. Amen. And see, and so what is in Christ should be in us. See, the good traits, the good qualities, 
should be in us. And people should be able to see these traits and qualities inside of us. Amen. James even let us know in James 1 verse 8. James says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you're trying to blend in in the crowd on Monday through Saturday and be a Christian on Sundays, you know, it's going to be revealed, you know, because somebody's going to walk through these doors. And I've been in churches and I've seen people come to church and people see people and they go, I didn't know you went to this church. Huh? You know, so what what does that tell me? You know, they've been incognito out there, you know, all along. They 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 have hid their light. See? Because they should have been a witness. They should have been witnessing. They should their 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 <laughs> their light should have been shining somehow, some way. Character traits of God should have been being revealed. We can't be small Sunday morning only. We've got to be 24 hours, seven days a week, Christians, all the time of our lives. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I don't want to hide my identity in the crowd. I want to be what Christ says. I'm light. I'm on the hill. I'm showing them forth. Amen. Praise God. Number two, we want to always display a servant's attitude. You want to always display a servant's attitude. Amen. And Isaiah 43, verse 10 through 12. Isaiah 43, 10 through 12. Jesus says, you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servants whom I have chosen. Amen. That you may know and believe me that I, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God form, neither shall there be after me. I, even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Amen. Praise God. I have declared and I have saved. I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Amen. There's none else. So if you notice here... Jesus calls us servants. What does a servant do? Well, he serves. You know, we are called to serve. And we need an attitude of servitude. Amen. When you think about waiters and waitresses, you know, these are people that serve. You know, and sometimes, you know, we blame the servants for what goes on in the back. You know. It's not the servant's fault. You know, the servants are doing their best. They're serving, and and we need to have an attitude of servitude. Amen. Look at Matthew chapter 20 real quick. Matthew chapter 20, verse 27 and 28 in your Bible. Matthew 20, verse 27 and verse 28. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. See, James and John wanted to be one on the right and one on the left. They want positions of honor. And Jesus says, okay, if you want that, then you're going to have to learn how to be a servant. See? Servant, 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 servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to minister, be ministered unto, 
but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus says, I didn't come so you could serve me. I came to serve you. Yeah. And that's the attitude we need to have is a servant's attitude. See? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and runneth over. Amen. If Jesus came to minister and to serve, we should be servants. Whatever you do, we should do it good. Amen. Service. You know, Joseph displayed a servant attitude. He was a slave. He sold into slavery. He could have been, you know, I'm not doing this mess. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a prisoner. Just put me in jail, whatever. But no, he went in and he started serving. And as a result, you know, God later elevates him to a position of honor. You know, think about Daniel. You know, Daniel was a servant. And as a result, God used him mightily. You know, think about Nehemiah. You know, Nehemiah was a servant. He was the cupbearer. You know, and cupbearers, you know, if somebody would poison the king's wine, he'd have been the first one to go. But he's serving. And when Nehemiah, you know, through all the service that Nehemiah is doing, if you notice, as soon as he gets word that, that, that captivity and the walls of Jerusalem is torn down, the gates is torn down, what is the first thing he do? He start weeping and crying, but then he turn his weeping and crying into prayer to God. And so by turning his prayers now into God, God moves upon the king's heart. And so by the time Nehemiah goes to the king to ask for permission, God has already softened the king's heart. And the king gives him everything he needs. He goes back and builds Jerusalem up again. Amen. Because he has a servant's heart. See? And so we, we need to follow some of these examples that we're given. Look at Ruth. It would have been easy for Ruth to go back home. But no, she comes in back into Bethlehem and, and, and with Naomi. And the first thing she does is she starts serving. She goes out. She starts working and, and bringing back for her mother-in-law. She became a servant. And later on, God elevates her, you know, into position. And thank God for Ruth, right? Because Ruth and Boaz had Obed, which had Jesse, which had King David, which had the Lord Jesus Christ. Servant here, you birthed in, amen. Think about Abraham. You know, Abraham was a servant. And as a result, he's called the servant, amen, the friend of God. Paul was a servant. You know, and, and, you know they, they're willing to give the, themselves, amen, to others. Amen. And this is what servanthood does, amen, is we want to model this influence of a Christian and the way we do that is serve. We follow Jesus' example to be a servant. Amen. The Bible says, happy is he that have the God of Jacob as his God. See? So we are servants. Amen. For the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Be excited about going to the nursing home. It's a servant. You know? Be excited 
about visiting the sick and shut in. Be excited about shoveling somebody else's snow. You know, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Think about what can I do to be a servant of God? Jesus says in Matthew 25, you know, I think it starts in verse 35. He said, when the Son of Man is coming to his glory and all his holy angels with him, then he would sit on the throne of his glory and he would bring the people together and he'd divide the sheep from the goat and the ones on the right, you know, he would say, you know, I was sick and you visited me. I was hungry, you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. You know, naked, you clothed me. Prison, you visited me. And they said, you know, when, when do we do all that? He says, when you did it to the least of these You've done it unto me. In other words, he says, as long as you're serving, whatever you're doing, you're doing it unto me. See? And we got to have that servant's attitude. We're not called to be catered to. We're called to serve. You know, that's the, that's the biggest thing is, is serving others, reaching out to others, helping others to bring them into the fold of God. Amen. So we got to display that servant's attitude ephesians 6 6 paul says here real quick ephesians 6 6 not with thy servant as men pleasers but as servants of christ doing the will of god from the heart for as a man thinketh in his heart so is he say so be as a servant of christ from the heart, I'm doing this as unto the Lord. It's what you want. You want that attitude just like Jesus had. In uh, Philippians 2, 5, it said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took on the form of a servant and became obedient. Amen. Servant's attitudes. Amen. Get excited. You know, sometimes I'm out in some of these restaurants and I see some of the waiters, the waitresses that's been there a long time. Now, granted, they might give some good tips or good pay or whatever. But I always ask, I say, wow, man, you, you've been here a long time. They say, yeah, I love it. I love doing this. Yeah. That means it's coming from their heart. They, you know, and that's that same concept. We should love serving, doing things as unto the Lord. Amen. Number three, on your paper, do everything, moving right into that, do everything to the glory of the Lord. Colossians 3, verse 17, and then verse 23. Colossians 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Whatsoever you do, do it as unto the Lord. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily with all your heart unto the Lord and not as unto men here. Amen. Do it as unto the Lord, everything. Amen. Think about what he's saying. Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. 
I'm going to steal my wife's thunder here for a second. You know, I've heard people tell her that she's an overachiever. How can you be an overachiever as a Christian? Every Christian should be an overachiever. <laughs> Every Christian should be an overachiever. You know, we should be doing our very best in everything that we do unto the Lord. You know, maybe this might be why some people backslide and quit serving God. Is they're not trying to be an overachiever. They're not giving their very best to the things of God. You know, we as Christians need to do our best in everything that we do. You know, we don't want to give a half job. You know, if you're an entrepreneur or you own your own business, you should be giving the best service. You know, doing it as unto the Lord. Whatever you do, do it to God. You know, how would you want to treat Jesus? You know, everything should be unto the Lord. You can't be an overachiever as a Christian. Because if you do, you're going to wind up short. You're going to miss the mark. Jesus has some very, very high standards when you look at it for entering the kingdom of God. You know, Psalms 15, man, sometimes I go back just about every day and try to memorize it and quote it and try to hide it in my heart. The Psalms says, Lord, who's going into your tabernacle? Who's going to dwell in your holy hills? He says, he that walk upright and do it righteousness, you know. He that don't bite, bite with his tongue, you know, don't take up a reproach against, an, uh, you know, another man. He, I mean, it's very, he has some, look at Psalms 15 real quick. You don't think he has some high stands? Can you put that up there one minute? Uh, Psalms 15. Lord, who shall abide in that? Who shall dwell in your holy hills? Verse 2. He that walk uprightly, he that worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that bite bite not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor take up approach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is condemned. But he honored them that feared the Lord. He that swore to his own hurt and don't change not. He that put it not out his money to usurer, nor taketh the reward against the innocent. He that do these things should not be moved. That's pretty high standards right there. You know, so we're going to have to be some high achievers, man. You know, so, so we, we have to, whatever we do, remember, you're not doing it to me. You're doing it to him. Amen. Whatever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord. You know, if you put your, your, your print on something, your signature on the line. Can you say, I gave it my very best? You know, I gave it my very best. You know, because if you notice, a lot of times in some places, you know, once they put their signature on that, they're saying, I've checked it, and it's, it's right. You know, and, and that's a lot of times when some of these planes fall out the air and all that stuff, man, they want those. They want those maintenance records real quick. You know, they want to be able to see who signed off on it, what happened. You know, 
you take shortcuts if you want to, you know, in some areas, you know. But we should do our very best, amen, do everything to the glory of God, amen. I wonder what would happen if Christians gave their very best. Wow. What would God do? Amen. I wonder what would happen in marriages if the husband and wife both gave their very best. Yeah, all these things. If we do it unto the Lord, it should be the, be good. Yeah, it should be good if we did it unto as we're doing it unto the Lord. Amen. I wonder what would happen if we gave our employers the very best as we're doing it unto the Lord. You know. You know, because God will honor you, you know, for these things. Amen. Amen. And this is what we're supposed to do. We're, we're as Christians, we are going to be an influence. We have to be on our best behavior. We have to give our very best. We need to do everything that we do unto the Lord and not unto men because we're called to be light and darkness. Yeah. And so God desires to, to see, amen, us reveal his light in this world, amen. So we are his example in the earth, and we are the salt, and we are the light. To be salt in the light in this world, in this world to be salt and light, amen. So whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. You know, don't just say, Oh, well, it don't really matter. Oh, yes, it does. You know, whether it's, whether it's one person or a thousand, you know, you're doing it as unto the Lord. Amen. And this is what you are. Amen. Any questions on being a Christian influence? Amen. I know we hit this kind of hard. We hit it kind of quickly. There was a lot at the beginning that we discussed, amen, and defined and went through these realms and uh, things and stuff. So, yes, sir, go ahead.